Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. stand with me because this is how we pray for it. We do this together. I want to begin the prayer and then we'll say this out loud together. I heard another testimony yesterday about how a new job, unlooked for, unsolicited, came out of nowhere and this person who was already working and is a self-employed person got a call from a company here in the city that said, hey, would you come work for us full-time just for a six-week period and help us straighten out this computer stuff? Just out of the blue, just like that. And he said, it's that prayer that we pray. So this is really important. So God, we thank you today for all that you provide in our lives. We bless you in that you bless us. We believe in your gospel. We believe in your favor and we thank you for all that we're do- you're doing in our lives. So we make a faith statement today and say together, today we believe you for the promise of blessed provision in new jobs and promotions at work, for estates and inheritances, interest, dividends, and unlooked-for income, for rebates and returns, for checks in the mail, gifts, surprises, and found money. For bills paid off, bills decreased, and debts canceled. We receive all these through the blessings and increase you bring that we might spread the good news of your kingdom. Amen. And be seated. Well, we've been on a journey of looking at and teaching about us, the body of Christ. The bigger body, and then also about New Day and who we are and, uh, man, I tell you what, I'm so thankful for this church. Now, not in the sense of the building, I'm thankful for you. And how God's used you in my life, and how God's used me in your life. I'm thankful for that. I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. He invites us into being there with and for each other. It's incredible. As we learn this and as we're learning about, and I don't know for you, but this has been such a time of relearning. It's been going on for, for three to four years now. I am stunned over and over and over and over again about the grace of God. You know, and I, I was thinking this morning and thinking about the royals and listening to the small talk that we all do when we come in in the morning, and, you know, and... and uh, it's kind of nice to have us have the anointing of the New England Patriots for a change, isn't it? For those of you who understand that, it's like they make mistakes, but it always turns out in their favor. The Royals are making mistakes, but it always turns out. It's like, what? You know, and then I got to thinking a long time ago, and some of you guys are going to remember this. Some of you it may make you groan. Um, some of you are aware of this guy. Some of you are younger, will not. But I remember that dream that Bob Jones had years ago about the baseball game. You guys, can you nod? Do you remember what brought him home? The last person up to plate? Do you remember the dream? Oh, it was a game between 
the Lord in heaven over, over man and, you know, and the different things that got us and the enemy was winning. But in the final out, with two strikes, grace came to the plate. And he said, and grace hit a home run. Grace brought us home. And I went, oh, yes, I like that one. I like that one. Isn't it good? You know, it's so hard when you think of those kind of things. And if life is a baseball game and God's given us gifts to play the game, he really has. And God's given you a position to play. But, you know, I want to ask you a question this morning. What stops us? What are these obstacles that seem to get in the way? You know, and it really doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you this. It doesn't mean that we don't grow in God. But it doesn't matter whether you're 15 or you're new in the Lord. You just became a Christian and you're just learning about it. Or when when you've been doing it, someone like me that, you know, I've, I've been a Christian for 41 years. That's a brief moment. That's a span of a second compared to eternity. But it just stuns me that the way God has wooed me into getting a, a good and a right identity. And then, man, you can go through life and you have one little occurrence occur. And you slip right back into an old pattern. Do you, do you guys have that happen? And it's almost always about your identity, how you see yourself. Um, what happens in our lives. What stops us? What are the obstacles And is there a truth that belays, that overcomes, that stops that very obstacle that's trying to stop us? I went, yeah, primarily it's an identity issue. You know, and sometimes I get frustrated with me. I don't know if you're like, I am, you know, I'm 64 and getting ready to turn 65 and something will come up and I go, wait a minute, I dealt with that 25 years ago. And it'll just jump up in my thoughts. It'll just, you know, who do you think you are? You know, it's like, what? I know who I am in Christ. I'm his beloved. I'm his shiny little Lloyd. He's for me every day. On my best day and on my worst day, Jesus is there. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. He doesn't give up on me. He doesn't quit on me. He's there for me. What am I doing? Thought, come back here. Reel that thing in. Primarily, it's an identity issue. You and Christ, Christ and you. You know, it's interesting where Paul said to, in the declaration of his prayers, see yourself where? Seated where? How? In Christ. In, in, in him. When he's seated there, you're not beside him. You're seated in him where he rules and reigns, and our prayers should be declaration prayers. There's a time to ask. And I I tell you, sometimes prayer is a conundrum to me. Especially when these obstacles get in the way over who it is, the one who's praying. Little Lloyd stuck on the earth or incredibly filled and empowered Lloyd in heaven in Christ. Who? There's a difference. I am both weak and then incredibly strong. I am clothed in... (laughs) You were clothed 
with immense power. Let me say it again. You are clothed in majesty. You are clothed in a way that removed all shame, all doubt, all guilt, all wreckage, everything, and that's what you're clothed in today, right now. Those obstacles that you see at work or that you see in the family or you see in a relationship or you see in where you want to be and you're not, listen, you're far above that. We're way above that, you guys. I know some of you can be facing some really tough things. There can be illness. There can be death. But he conquered death. This is a transition for us. You can be facing really tough things. Work things, financial things, school things, relationship things. And all of those, this is what happens. This one obstacle seems to come up. Fear. Fear. It's an obstacle, isn't it? I've never had a doubt but that it wasn't wrapped around a fear. All of my little doubts all go back to a certain fear, either an ingrained habit of fear, a way of thinking, a way of looking at it, and forgetting who I am. There's many kinds of fear, some legitimate, most of them are not. If you're afraid to go uh, walk across I-435 right now in the middle of the day with semi-trucks and trailers going across the freeway, that's a good fear to have. (laughs) Some fear is safe. But if you're afraid to get in your car and drive out on the freeway, that's not legitimate. You were meant to drive there. You have a car. Most fears just aren't legitimate. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, God's not given us a spirit of fear. That word spirit isn't the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit. That word spirit is, could, could be translated this way, illusion. God has not given you the illusion of fear. The tricksies. The sleight of hand. What the enemy's trying to get you to look at. But of power, love, from a sound mind. The word sound there is tied to the word veracity, truth. Those kinds of fears that get in there and mess with veracity, they mess with our identity and how we see ourselves and are usually based around an unrealistic measure, an equation, a judgment that we put on ourselves about ourselves. We've made a decision. We've decided something. We judged A friend of mine a couple of weeks ago shared a teaching with me that Joel Osteen wrote about fear and faith. And I've listened to it three times now. And I don't care whether you're a Joel Osteen fan or not. This is good stuff. He said, fear and faith, they say this. They both ask us to believe something will happen that we cannot see. You want me to say that again? They both ask. Ask us to believe something that we cannot see. 
And it takes just as much effort to believe one or the other. It takes a lot of effort to believe in your fear because you have to wipe out everything that Christ is putting in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't have that kind of fear in him. And he lives in you. So you have to make an effort to kind of compartmentalize the Holy Spirit in you. You know what? He's not compartmentalized. He's not over here uh, someplace dangling over here. He's in you. How much? Oh, read Ephesians. Read Ephesians 3. God wants the fullness of who he is to come in there. When you start tapping into that, it changes everything. You know, they really do. They both take the same amount of energy, don't they? One is negative and stops you in your tracks, and the other is positive and propels you forward in hope and trust. I really believe this. The answer to overcoming the negative fear is rooted and founded in the truth of God's word for you. It's always, I'm telling you, whatever fear you're facing today, there is a positive truth in God's word that not only contradicts that fear, but conquers it. The word is extremely important here. Jesus himself said, when somebody asked him what truth was, he said, your word is truth, knowing that he was the word. Your word is truth. Let's look at one of them. It's, it's up there. 1 John 4. We know this well, but I'm not sure we always wrestle with the meaning of it. God is love. Amen. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. What judgment? The big judgment and the little judgments. Because in this world, we are like him. What? One version says, as he is, so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, John writes. But perfect love, now sometimes it gets into that and then we have weird background history in our church things. Perfect love casts out fear. I love this version. Perfect love drives out fear. Drives it out. The truth drives fear away. Because fear has to do with punishment. I have good news for you. God's not out to punish you. There's no measuring stick, right or wrong. There's one measurement, the cross of his son. One measurement he gave. And that's the cross of his son. Has the cross of his son come into your life? Then you don't have to fear punishment. You don't have to fear judgment. You can stand with confidence on that day and say, Even so, come Lord Jesus. You are in Christ today. You don't have to be afraid. And he he makes a very bold statement. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I read this this week and I went, make me perfect in your love. And I just started praying little things. Oh God, your love for me is just perfect. You just love me perfectly. You just delight in me. 
You think the best of me all the time. Listen, we've got to change something that goes with this fear. We're going to get to it in a minute. What we have to change is look at the lies. What, what I just did is I revealed a thing to you that's called self-talk. The things I say to myself inside of myself, and yes, we all have it. You all have an inner voice. We'll look at it. Look at this. Lies. Lies abound in the earth. Do you know how many times Tide has been new and improved? And yet its basic ingredient has not changed since it was invented. And those, the only ingredients that have changed is the combination of them and the, the inert ones. The soap that you call Tide, that you use, your grandmother used. Now we're all hit with these, and I'm using a funny one. But you see, lies from the past... Lies about your identity, lies about who you are, lies about the fears that you have, the things that inhibit you, the obstacles that it creates. They're often based on a faulty perception. Think about where I started with Psalm 102. You can perceive that as something that you have to cry out for, and it's not wrong to do that. God, hear the cries of the prisoners and do all that. But like I said, here, here comes a great new perception of the gospel of grace he did he already heard our cries and he sent christ into the earth went to a cross died was buried and rose so that you could have justification he was raised for our justification romans 5 1 says this is incredible good news i can start doing this to counteract lies Listen, some of you, this may be new to you, but this is called receiving truth talk. Truth overpowers lies. I have used this in my life, and it has changed. God has used it to change my life, applying truth to where the lies were. They usually have to do with the measurements and comparison of ourselves actually to others. That's how you know it's a lie. Well, I'm not like, I can't do that because, and I look at them and they're so good. And then the, it's really weird, but here's what happens in our hills. Then we start getting mad at the people who are doing it. It's human nature. It's part of the intricate lacing of that lie. You don't have what somebody else has, so you're upset that they do. Are you following me? I know this is icky and uncomfortable. We're all there. I've done it. We might as well freely admit it. Yep. Yeah. You know, I've looked at other preachers and go, good grief, they drop a pencil and the new lead movement starts. I call a meeting and seven people show up. Come on. We're, you with me? Those are how lies come in here. Here's what contradicts that. God has me exactly where he wants to be. And people that are hearing this truth are getting set free in their lives. 
And it may not look what it will be, but right now the word of God and grace is penetrating into heart and people are starting to believe again in the unconditional love of God, of justification by faith alone, of co-union with Christ, of eternal security, and that Jesus Christ came to give us life and that abundantly. That's what we believe. We hang on to those beliefs. We wrap our truth around those things. What he does, what he did, what he does, and what he will do are all centered in him. Not in you. And you have taken on that identity. You've taken that on. This is what Romans 6 says. He died. You died. He was buried. You were buried. He was raised. You've been raised. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. He just didn't, didn't just die for you. He died with you. In every aspect of it. Here's the reality that Paul teaches. Romans 12, Ephesians 4. We all have a part to play in the body. But when lies become our self-talk, it inhibits us to the place of being debilitated. We become neutered, impotent, stuck, not seeing ourselves as Christ sees us, whole, complete, able, competent, qualified. Lies mixed with our self-talk become unbelief. When people, when you and I, when we stay in unbelief, it's hard to see ourselves as Christ sees us, and we often mix it. Here's the subtlety of lies and, and fear. We misrepresent to ourselves how others see us. And we return to a cycle of fear and judgment. What will they think? I'll, I'll make another mistake. I know me. I'll miss that slow dribbling ball that hopped three times. The world's going to see it and understand I'm just an adequate second baseman. Man, you ought to pray for him today, man. He's carrying the weight of a team on his shoulders. I prayed for him last night. I went, oh my gosh. You know what one of my biggest fears is? I'll get up here and do some big faux pas in front of you. you Something will come out of my mouth that's completely wrong. Not necessarily, I mean, been accused of heresy, so you get... (laughs) (laughs) I'm really scared. I'm going to flesh out up here. (laughs) And no, it doesn't help to see you naked. Imagine they're all without clothes. That doesn't help one bit. You know how I do this? Christ in me. Christ in me. I'm the same boy that couldn't give a speech in high school. Covered my mouth and shook the podium and went, uh, 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 uh. or the hippie that grew real long hair to hide me. The beard I hid behind. It's coming back. <laughs> Watch that Kenny Rogers commercial too much. You have to know when to. 
Do you understand a little poking of the fun at yourself can go a long ways in the mix-up of the identity issue? None of us are there, you guys. And yet we're all there. I had a friend say to me yesterday, I know we're all weak and broken and we haven't gotten there yet, but listen, I, I've been listening to this message. I feel like I'm there. And I went, he's got it. Christ in him, the hope of glory. Christ won it. He did it. If we can change that self-talk into seeing that. I'm not broken. You can still see where the cracks were. But I'm not broken anymore. Christ healed me. That becomes self-talk that overcomes unbelief. The lies, the lies... And the fear that get mixed with them lead us to the biggest obstacle in our lives, unbelief. Listen, you, you even think about, you know, we're, we're always so scared that sin's going to disqualify us. We forget that Christ died for every sin in our life. We think that people's sins are disqualifying them from the kingdom. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. The sin that's keeping them out is the sin of unbelief. They're not receiving it. It's Jesus died. You, you got to read this stuff. For all sin, once for all. See, the price has already been paid for. For every unbeliever in the city, the price has been paid. He doesn't even see them as enemies anymore. The church has tended to. They're not the enemies of God. Unbelief's the enemy of God. That's what they're caught in. That's what we're caught in. When we don't function properly in the body, I'm telling you, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's unbelief. Sometimes the unbelief is outside of us. We listen to, to faulty things and listen to it in a faulty way. And our self-talk wraps itself around that. Our inner voice. This is what self-talk is. Your inner voice that steers and directs your words, your actions. We all have it. Some people use a monologue. Some people a dialogue. And then the ones that only use a monologue think the people with the dialogue have problems and should go see a counselor. (laughs) Yet we're more than welcome to go to David's Psalms where he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who is he talking to? Himself. He got this truth talk thing. When our self talk is rooted in fears and lies, these become markers, boundaries, limits, obstacles from us being who we are supposed to be in the body. For our sake and for others' sake, and this is strange, it limits what God wants to do with you. Untruths devastate our plans. They will get in there and make a wreck of your plans. You can make... They limit our joy. They corrupt our character. They dismantle healthy relationships. They shred our very idea of spirituality and acceptance. Oftentimes they destroy the very purpose that God wants to do with our lives. The good works that's spoken of in Ephesians. That God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. 
How do you change it? You apply the truth of God's word. You take the gospel, all these things that I've been saying this morning. I'm going to read two different versions of this, but we all know this well. I've been taught, I did all kinds of, um, you probably were taught different spiritual warfare things over this in the past, and maybe you haven't. What I'd like you to do now, right now, is just set that aside and see this fresh and new. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not a war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, all those things, all those lies, unbeliefs, fears, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, against the truth. The knowledge of God is truth. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I used to perform for this. And then I started seeing it differently. I needed to bring my thoughts that were denying what Christ did. I needed to take them captive to what he did do. What did I know that Christ did? To the obedience of Christ. Jesus obeyed where you couldn't. Hello? Jesus did what you cannot do for you and gave it to you as a gift. That's grace. When you don't see, when the thoughts come in, I'm not that. In Christ you are. Bring them to the obedience of what Christ accomplished. Seeing yourself as Christ sees you, as God sees you. It changes everything. I love the Phillips version with this. The truth is that although, of course, we lead normal human lives, don't you like the way he writes that? Changes the flavor of it. The battle we are fighting is on a spiritual level. The very weapons we use are not those of human warfare, but powerful in God's warfare for the destruction of the enemy's strongholds. Our battle is to bring down every deceptive fantasy and every imposing defense that men erect against the true knowledge of God. We even fight to capture every thought until it acknowledges the authority of Christ. Changed my whole warfare. Changed the way I dealt with my self-talk. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you will always point you to the truth of God's word. You need to hear it one more time. The Holy Spirit, in him we live and move and have our being. The Holy Spirit, whether you want to or not, is always at war with lies that try to strangle you, with thoughts that try to captivate your thinking to lead you away from God. Always he is warring on your behalf. Well, if I don't pray, he won't do it. Oh, yes, he will. Because this is what the word said. It is his good pleasure, both to will and to do. Well, then you come down to the great theological thing. Will he violate your free will? My God, I hope so. 
My will has been pretty stinky, filled with fears and lies at times, with unbelief. I want him to knock those down and knock them out of the way and fight the fight for me when I no longer can fight. When I feel like there's no energy left within me and I can't do one more thought and I want to quit and give up and go home and cry in my milk. I want the Holy Spirit to come out strong to fight on my behalf. Pray the prayer. Give him your will. If your theology won't let him, pray against your theology. God, wreck me for, for you for life. Come and undo every one of my stupid little primitive thoughts about me and make me big in you, who you are. Take up, you can pray dangerous prayers. Careful about that one about patience, but you can be, <laughs> you can pray some pretty dangerous prayers in your life. Some you need to be more careful with than others. <laughs> There's only one way patience comes, is what the word says. And you don't want that. Oh, no, precious. <laughs> you want freedom. Freedom comes through faith. Faith is believing. Believing the truth will bring you freedom. We all know this well. I love the way that Philip reads again in this. If you are faithful to what I said... You are truly my disciples. He says, if you believe what I said about you, you're truly my disciples. And you will know the... And what will it do? It was for freedom that Christ set me free. There's boundaries with every freedom, but I tell you what, the internal ones, he wants to take those boundaries. Oh, he he doesn't want you... Do you ever listen to Borderland by John Mark McMillan? Man, if you never, if you if you download any worship CD, get that one. Any worship album today, get that one. He doesn't want you out in the Borderlands. He doesn't want you standing back on the other side of a chain link fence where you can see other people enjoying God, but no, you never get a tidbit. We are not lost boys, pockets full of fairy dust. I am no longer lost. I am blood-bought. I am purchased. I belong. He has restored to me my humanity. The truest form of my humanity created in the image of God. He is bringing me back to everything the enemy tried to destroy. Day by day, hour by hour, second by second, you start declaring that over your life. Watch what the grace of God does. This is not magic. This is spiritual and it's powerful. Because it's truth. When the word speaks about truth, it means true truth. Here's what the Phillips says in Romans 10. Belief, you see, can only come from hearing the message. It only comes from hearing the message. The message of what? The word of Christ. So now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the way most of us memorized it. Listen, you want to change your truth talk? Start memorizing the word of God. Applied truth. Applied truth. A truth that's left stagnant and unapplied leaves you in fear and unbelief. Leaves you with obstacles. 
So two questions. Ask yourself right now. What does your self-talk tell you about how God sees you? What do you say inside of yourself about yourself? Second one tied to it. How does this affect how you see yourself in fear or faith? Want me to give you a tough grace scripture? Whatever is not of faith is sin. See, it's not about your sins. Where we get caught is once again, we go back to what separated from Christ, us from Christ and the purpose. It's not your morality, it's your belief. What you believe. Whatever is not of faith is, is sin. So here I am. I'm calling you to repent today. In the truest sense of the word, repent means change your mind completely. Here comes Lloyd's devastating question that isn't up there. Will you repent today and believe what Christ believes about you? Will you receive it today? I don't care if you're in a good place or I don't believe in the good place, bad place anymore, but that's where it is in your head and you're thinking that, I'm okay. I'm not making fun of you. I've been there numerous times. I tell you what, I'm conquering that baby. (laughs) That baby's going under the foot of truth over and over and over and over and over again. Can you believe today what God believes about you? That you're the object of his love? that you are the object of his purpose, that he put you here for a reason, that you were supposed to be here today to even hear this because he wants to break up areas of unbelief. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Boy, there's one to take home today. Here's one to go home and meditate on all week. There's a question to ask yourself. What does this mean for my life? As he is, so am I in this world. Is he complete? Is he whole? Is there any lie in him? Are are you getting the picture of what this can do inside of our self-talk? Is there any shadow of lack of love that he has for you? Did he create you for a purpose? Are you here to change the world? Yeah, there's a take-home question. Meditate and ask. Ask yourself all week. If these two questions can lead you to, as he is, so am I in this world? Whew, that's stunning. If I can get the worship team to come up. Again, this is the Phillips. 
the same scripture, but it just adds these nuances to it. God is love, and the man whose life is lived in love does, in fact, what? Live in him. So our love for him grows more and more, filling us with complete confidence for the day when he shall judge all men. For we realize that our life in this world is actually his life lived in us. As he is, so are we. Christ living in you today. To a world that's mad, angry, upside down. Morals seem all wacker-jigged in America. Love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. Isn't that incredible the way he wrote that? For fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. I have good news for you today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Gone. This means that the man who lives in fear has not yet had his love perfected. I'm not there, but it's getting perfected every day. You want your love perfected? Can I say a prayer for you? Will you receive it? I like to pray dangerous prayers. I also know this. God loves me so much, he answers my prayers. Yeah. Yeah, he does. You wouldn't believe it. I'm fully convinced, even though I have a conundrum about what prayer is, I watch him answer my prayers over and over and over again. So here's my prayer for you today. However you need to receive that, listen, we don't have to shut our eyes. You can look straight at me. I'll look at you and pray for you. God, bless this one. Bless the person who's sitting here who's gotten caught in lies and unbelief. Release the word of your truth into their lives. Disrupt them. Holy Spirit, challenge them. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to them. Let them get a glimpse of who they really are. Make it dangerous. Make it expanding. Make it to go beyond the boundaries that they've set about what they think about you. Show yourself bigger than any thought that they could think. Reveal who you are and bless them with this. Bless them with understanding. God, your word is truth. I pray that even in their feeble attempt of just doing that open up the Bible thing, that you would speak to them from your very word that would dismantle every obstacle in their life and that they would see themselves as a changed being. That they were once darkness but you rescued them from darkness and brought them into the kingdom of the Son of your love. God, I pray a devastating blow to the enemy that tries to keep every mind in here trapped. It even tries to entrap them in that this message won't change anything. I take authority over that lie and I say the message of the gospel of grace changes everything over and over and over and over again. And they are right. They are righteous. 
They are qualified. They are accepted. They aren't secondhand citizens stuck in the borderlands. They're right within your will. In Jesus' name. Would you stand and sing with me?